Hello, this is Mike Van Meter, and welcome to the Recovery is Possible podcast. And I want to thank you for joining me. You can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. And this podcast exists to educate the public about addiction, remove the stigma associated with addiction, and offer help and support to those suffering from addiction. And today, we're going to be talking about some questions that I got from listeners. And always remember that if you have any questions about addiction, recovery, treatment, or whatever your situation may be, reach out to me. Again, go out to a Facebook site or reach out to me at vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com and I'd be happy to have your questions answered for you here on this particular show. This show does exist for you in order to help you with addiction, addiction issues, whether you're suffering from addiction or somebody that you know or work with or work for, or they have work and you are working for yes, addiction issues as well. So whatever the case may be, we're going to be um, uh, talking about those particular issues. And so let's just get right to it. So um, the question came from a listener and the, the, the question was, you know, getting closer to the, to the heart of getting sober. And um, one of the questions was this, when was your turning point to finally get sober? to be willing to do whatever it takes. What was happening to cause that moment of clarity? Now, I I genuinely believe that you have to want to get sober. If you don't want to get sober, there's really not a whole lot anybody can do to uh, get you sober. I mean, you have to want it. You really want to. And so the question here was, when was your turning point to finally get sober? And and when were you willing to do whatever it took? And And for me, it was just a number of relapses. It was uh, just the progression of addiction. It just got to the point to where if I had any doubts in my mind about addiction being a disease of the body and the mind, and that's important, it's a, it's a disease of the body and the mind, meaning that it gets worse and worse and worse, and it never gets better. And it gets to the point to where your brain starts telling your body that you don't have it. Your brain tells you that you don't actually have the addiction and it gets worse and worse over a period of time. And what I mean by that is that you have to understand that if I was to graph this out, if I was to graph addiction out, it gets worse over a period of time and never better. And ironically, we know this, that if you stop using drugs or alcohol at a certain point and then you pick up later, this is after a period of sobriety, that ultimately you will end up using where you would have been, not where you were. And hopefully that makes sense. You'll end up using where you would have been, not where you left off. So that's why heroin addicts or or people that use opiates uh, end up dying rather quickly because the trajectory, that, that curve of the progression is very, very steep. With alcohol, it's not quite as steep a curve, but if you ever meet anybody that has relapsed from alcohol after a period of abstinence, it was worse than even when they they left off in the first place. And so for me, it got to the point to where um, after a number of relapses, after treatment, um, uh, I, I I was starting to have those suicidal thoughts. That's really what it came down to. And even I knew at that point that that was not sustainable, that at a certain point I had to get well. And that was my bottom. That was when I was willing to listen to people that uh, knew what they were talking about 
and you know people that had attained some sort of sobriety because one of the things that I did and and I noticed now after you know nearly a decade of sobriety when I work with people that are trying to get sober it's funny they want advice they're looking for advice but they'll take advice from anybody other than those that have gotten sober. And I have always found that an interesting phenomenon. And I'm not laughing about it because uh, of the, it's funny in any, any way, shape, or form. I'm laughing at it because that's exactly the way that I was. I was looking for all the answers except in the right places, and that was from the people that knew what they were talking about. And the answer to addiction is abstinence. Okay, You, you don't moderate uh, addiction. You don't play with addiction. If, if you have gotten to the point where you're drinking, drinking or drugging has destroyed all of your relationships, your jobs, your hopes, your future, you should, you should stay away from it like it was a hot stove, like it was a flame in a fire. You should just stay away from whatever substance it is that brought you to that place. And, and for me, that was alcohol. And I got to the point to where I was on the precipice. I was on that edge of realizing that if I went any further, uh, I was going to lose it all. And for me, that's what it meant. Now, you don't have to get to that point. You can you can have a high bottom. You you can get off of this elevator and on any floor if, if you want to look at it that way. You don't have to ride it all the way to the bottom. You can get off it at any point and get your life back on track. But for me, that's what it was. I, I knew that I was suicidal, and I knew that I was on the verge of lo- losing everything and everyone that I cared about. And then and only then... Was I willing to do what it took to get well? And for me, that went uh, going to an addiction specialist. Now, notice that I did say that an addiction specialist, somebody that that this is what they do. They stay. They don't study anything else but addiction. Okay, so I teamed up with somebody like that. Then I started going to twelve step meetings, and I listened and practiced and actually did what they suggested that I do at twelve step meetings. I read the literature. I was completely focused on recovery. That first year of recovery for me, I describe in in another podcast in that first year of recovery, was kind of Spartan. I'm not saying that you have to do that. I'm just saying that that's what I did because that's what the... Uh, our listener is asking me was, what did I do? And so that first year, what I did was I focused on my recovery. I went to work. I went to meetings. I worked out and uh, really read only the things, the only things that I read that first year were recovery related, uh, you know, things. And that that's in spiritual things. And that was what, what I did in, the, in that first year. And that's when I got better. But I, I had to become focused on it and I had to accept and just surrender that that alcohol and me could not come in contact at all, it, just at all. I had to surrender to that decision. Now, a lot of you may be thinking, well, I can't do that. I mean, how am I going to go through life without alcohol? Well, the fact is you can go through life out without alcohol. A lot of people go through life without, without alcohol. And you, you can't just become focused on that one part of your life. I can't do this. Because in reality, what happens is by doing by using alcohol or drugs, you're shutting yourself off from everything else in your life. Everything else is shut off. If you just stop using alcohol, then everything's opened up. All those hobbies, the, the career path, uh, degrees, promotions, time with your family, athletics, whatever hobby you want to be involved in, that now has opened up to you. So it's not like your life is shut off because I always get asked that. You mean this means I can't have fun anymore? My life is over. No, your life was over in the midst of your using. Because I've, I've, I've always said this, that 
People ask, well, how do you know if you have a problem? Well, what I would say to you is if you're asking yourself that question, then you probably have a problem because normal social drinkers or people that are using prescription medications the way they're supposed to don't even ask that question in the first place. And I want you just to ponder that for a moment. No one asks themselves that question if it's not having a negative impact on their life. So that was when uh, I knew I needed to get well. And folks, again, you can you don't have to ride that to the bottom. Get off at any time and your life will be so much better. So the second question is this. You mentioned before that you had many relapses over many years, and I just talked about that. Before each relapse, what was usually going on in your mind? And after each relapse, what motivated you to pick up the pieces and keep trying? All right, so what was going on um, before each relapse? I don't know that there was anything that I could pinpoint mentally that I, that I could say that that's what was happening. I, I do know that uh, I had a lot of bitterness. I had a lot of resentment. I was angry at a lot of people because my life was falling apart. And my behavior, my actions, and what I was doing, I'm sure rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Maybe it was not fulfilling obligations. Maybe it was things that I said. Maybe it was that I couldn't be counted on completely and other people had to pick up you know, my slack. Maybe I was missing social obligations. It was, it was a combination of all of that. So I had those resentments. And remember, the number one killer of all addicts is resentments. And that's why we have to guard against those. Now, the other thing that you have is just pure physiological and pure scientific. And that is that when you drink and drug over a period of time, your body becomes physiologically, physiologically, um, addicted, meaning that you have to have that substance. There's a reason why you have to go to detox and treatment for alcohol, and that is to wean your body safely off of alcohol or drugs, whatever whatever it is that brought you to this point. So it was really just the physiological, for me, I think it was more the physiological pull. And that and remember, when you're using the way that we use, your brain changes. There's biochemical processes in your body that changes, and your brain structure actually changes. And so your your brain, again, is telling you that you need to be using this substance, and it's become physiologically addicted to the substance, and you can't just stop, okay? And then even when you go through treatment or detox and you do stop, because your brain has been changed, because that, that process has taken place, it's going to keep trying to pull you back into what you were doing all along. And it takes about a year to a year and a half for your brain to repair itself. And that's assuming that you don't use in that year and the year and a half. And that's why it's important, and I've talked about this before, that diet, exercise, getting your vitamins and minerals back in your body, getting the serotonin levels back in place, GABA levels, um, all the vitamins and minerals that that have been removed from your body through your, your using. Because usually... When you're drinking alcoholically, not usually, but when you are drinking alcoholically, you are malnourished. Even if you're overweight or even if you otherwise look healthy, you are malnourished because there are certain vitamins and minerals that are not even absorbed into your system when you're drinking alcoholically. And and just some of the things that I know are, are taken out of your system are the, the B series of vitamins 1, 3, 6, and 12, uh, 1 and 3 B, B and 1 and 3 have to do with neurological functioning. Those are decreased. Uh, 6 and 12 is energy conversion. That's reduced. And you're not sleeping properly, so you're not getting the serotonin back into your brain the way that you should. And all of this just wreaks havoc on, on your system. So all of that takes time to get back. And, and that, that contributed to my relapses because it just, 
that that pull, that pull. And, and it's also a habit. And, and habits take a while to correct themselves. And I can say after nearly a decade that I don't have that pull anymore because because all the physiological physiological changes have taken place. So after each relapse, what motivated you to pick up the pieces and keep trying? Well, um, there was something about being at the 12-step meetings that changed my attitude towards drinking. I often heard it said that once you get exposed to, in, in my case, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, your drinking is really never the same after that because once you've been presented the truth of what's going on with you and the truth of what, what's happening, then it's very difficult for you to ever go back again. And so in the back of my mind, the seed was planted that I need to stop doing this. So I inherently knew it. In fact, during that period when I was still drinking but I was going to AA, I knew, I knew that I needed to stop. I just couldn't, looking back on it. I just I just couldn't. I wasn't ready. That goes back to the first part of this podcast where I had to be ready and willing and able to listen and surrender. And I just wasn't at that point. But I went to enough meetings where I found the, the right people for me, the right combination of people that I liked, I enjoyed being around. And um, I, that's, what I, that's what I recommend for you. I recommend that you find the, uh, the people that you just match with because that's where I developed my, my friend group. I enjoyed the people. I liked seeing them. I liked the conversations. I thought these were some of the funniest people that I'd ever seen. And f- frankly, in some cases, some of the smartest people I'd ever met. And I, I really, it was the friendships, frankly, that, that kept me coming back. And they, there was a phrase that I kept hearing over and over and over, keep coming back keep coming back. You're in the right place. And it felt welcoming to me. And that's why I kept going back. So the third part of this person's question is, I've heard you say that the obsessive compulsive thoughts to drink last around 15 to 20 minutes. What actions work for you to prevent yourself from picking up that first drink? Um, you know, this is true. And I call it riding the wave. You know, so when you get to a period of, of abstinence, and, and certainly your first month maybe your first year, and then on occasion after that first year, you may get urges to drink. Because people ask me even now, do you still have urges to drink? And the answer to that is, yeah, on occasion, not many. I will say that it's uh, become less and less over time, Uh, fewer and fewer uh, times when I feel like drinking, but it does happen on occasion. When that happens, you stay focused on the program. You do your readings. For me, it was uh, diet and exercise. So if I had that, if I felt that wave coming on, then I would go for a run or I would go to the gym. I would find something that would distract me. Being involved in something that just occupied my time. And if you can ride that for about 15 to 20 minutes, I guarantee you that urge to drink or drug will go away. You have to, it's your mind. Remember, it's mind and body distract your mind from that. So your mind becomes focused on wanting that drink or that drug. But what you do then is that you you um, you just distract your mind so you're thinking about something else. And I found a lot of different ways of distracting myself. In fact, this podcast is a, a big portion of that. You know, this occupies my time. This keeps me focused on the mission at hand. And that mission at hand is staying sober and helping others stay sober. And so I hope that this podcast has helped you in some way stay sober 
And uh, I, I enjoy hearing your comments. I'd love to hear uh, from you guys. Let me know what you want to um, talk about. If there's any questions that I can answer for you, I'd be happy to do so. Because, you know, like I like to say, I don't represent any group. Like I talk about AA in this particular podcast. I'm not a representative of AA. Nobody represents AA. Um, so I don't represent anyone other than myself. These are just my opinions. My only purpose is to give this information, um, in giving this information, just so I can share with you what I've done because it's helped me. And I hope that it's going to help you and others as well. So if I have said anything that doesn't apply to you, that's okay. Just take what you can use. If it helps you, great. And just discard the rest because that's what we do in recovery. Everything we do is about helping other people while we're helping ourselves along the way. So with that, please visit our Facebook site, which is Recovery is Possible, and our website, VanMeterWellnessSolutions.com. Let me know how I'm doing. Again, let me know if there's anything that you want me to talk about or questions that I can answer. And I look forward to seeing you guys soon. So take care.